I think we've all probably been in, in situations where we found ourselves kind of saying, I wish I knew more, right? I, I wish I had some more information. I wish, I wish that I could see things a, a little more clearly. Think about it. When, when you're making a decision, right, that's probably the first one that comes to mind for many of us. Maybe you've got a job offer. You're okay in the job where you are, but, but there's a startup company and you have a chance to kind of get in on the ground level and, and you don't know this thing might take off, it might be really big, and you're trying to say, you know, do I want to do that? And, and what do you say? You say, well, I wish I knew for sure what's going to happen, right? I wish I knew for sure exactly how this company is going to go because if it takes off like they're projecting, yeah, I want to be a part of it, but, but if it's going to fail, I don't want to lose my job and I want to know what's going to happen in my job. I, I wish I could just see a little bit into the future. I wish that I could know more, right, when you're making a decision like a job or, or if you're dating somebody. I mean, if you're dating somebody and, 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 and you kind of say, you know, this thing's going pretty good, but, but is this thing going to take the next step? Ah, you know, it'd be so nice if I could know a little more. Is this, is this the one? Is this the person that I ought to marry? Is this, how do I, and you just think, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think so, but I'd like to know a little more when making a decision or when we lost a loved one. You know, for a lot of us, if we lose loved ones, it's not necessarily a question. I wonder if they're in heaven, but it's kind of, I wonder what it's like. I wonder what they're, thinking. I wonder what they're doing. I, I wish I knew a little more of, of what that was like. I wish I knew a little more of exactly what happened after we die. I just, I, I wish I could see it. I, I wish I could know just a little bit more. So when, when a loved one dies or, or when someone we care about is struggling, I, I mean, if somebody we really love is going through a hard time, you know, we say, well, do I step in or do I not? Again, I wish I knew a little bit more. I, I wish I knew a little bit more, and we say it over and over again. I wish I knew more. I think all of us have that sense of, of wanting to wish more, uh, that, we knew, that we knew more. And, and, and I think that if you can understand that sense, if you can have that, understand that sense of saying, I wish I knew a little more, you can understand why sometimes maybe think some people some, think some things like this. Uh, well, maybe I could, well, visit a psychic. <laughs> sounds crazy, but maybe I could get just a little bit of help or go to a poem reader. Maybe the answer is written on the palm of my hand or call the fortune teller hotline. Get a tarot card reading. Check my horoscope. The fact of the matter is, if you're like me, when you, you see a list like this, there's a part of you that says, this is ridiculous. This is crazy. I would never do anything like that, right? I would never do that. But get that sense of wanting to know more, right? Get that sense of, of wanting to have just a little bit of insider information, of, of wanting to have an insider affirmation. You know, I, I've never done any of these things. <laughs> But I'll tell you, I have looked for that insider information. I was thinking about it this week. And, and back before I asked Tammy to marry me, when I was thinking about doing that, I was driving down 131. And, and you know, I, I, I just said, Lord, you know, I, I'm pretty sure this is who I'm going to marry. But how about if you just give me a little confirmation? How about if the next billboard, there's a T on it for Tammy, right? If there's a, a T on the next bill for, billboard, then I'll know. And I'm kind of thinking the odds are in my favor. T's are pretty common, right? I didn't think it was that hard for the Lord. Honestly, the next billboard was just a picture. I said, okay, Lord, two out of three. I'll give you two out of three, and then I got two T's, and, well, you know the rest. I mean, you, you may say I never do any of these things, but haven't you played those games? Haven't you just kind of done a little bit of saying, can I get some way of knowing? When we face a confusing decision, when we face an unknown, we would so much like to get some of that insider information. 
And so we're going to talk about that, about, about people who are interested in some of these things. And, 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 and so we're doing this during our series that we're calling I Have a Friend Who, just a couple of more weeks of this. But, but this one is I have a friend who believes in, in psychics or horoscopes or, or whatever it is, tarot cards or all those things. And, and what do we do about that? Is this just kind of silly stuff? Is this just kind of meaningless stuff? Do we, I got to tell you, as I was thinking about it this week and, and, and so on, I scheduled this, you know, back in July or whatever when I put together, uh, maybe August or so when I put together the sermon schedule for September and October. But, but you know, I mean, I, 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 I put that down and then the last couple of weeks I kind of been saying, did I really do this? I mean, seriously, we're going to talk about like psychics? We're going to talk about mediums and talking with dead people and all that stuff. Seriously, this is a big enough issue for us. Well, let me, let me kind of give you some numbers to recognize that this is maybe, we don't maybe talk about it with each other, but some of us are doing this stuff, and a lot of our world is, okay? So I've got some numbers. They come from the Pew Center for Religious Research. Very reputable, and they, they, they also they, they mirror the numbers that the Gallup survey has done. So those who say they've had contact with the dead, and we're going to have numbers for the total, and then also number for Christians, all right? So the total in the survey, and again, this is a legitimate um, you know, national survey here, but those who've had contact with the dead, get an idea in your head. Just pick a number. You don't have to say it out loud. In the general population, 29%. 29%. Three out of 10 people say, yeah, I've had contact with a dead person. I've had contact with the spirit of somebody who's moved on. Among Christians, it's only, oh, 29%. Now, this is not just seances, okay? This would include people who do seances and so on. But I think what, what as I look at this one, and I think this is maybe the case for Christians because I've talked with some people who've, who've had this, where, where, you know what, that loved one has died, and then they said, you know, two months later, I just had this sense my spouse came back to me and said they were okay. I just had this sense that they were telling me that I could move on. And, and, and so I think that's a little different than, than kind of trying to contact the dead to, 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 to get information from them. But that's pretty high. Three out of ten people say that they, they've, they've had contact with the dead, with people on the other side. Uh, what about the percentage who have consulted a psychic? Those who have consulted a psychic, again, throw out some numbers in your mind. Total population, general population, 15%. A little over one out of ten. Christians, well, we're better. We're only 14% there. Think about it. There are, well, 30 of us or so in here, <laughs> something like that, who've called the psychic hotline, trying to get that insider information, trying to find out. What about believe in horoscopes, astrology? Astrology is, again, astronomy is the good one. That's the study of stars. But astrology says that, that the position of your, the stars on the time, at the day you were born really determines your character, and, and it determines a lot of your destiny. And so people do that, and you read your horoscope and so on. What do you get? Again, take a guess, 25%. And among Christians, it's 23%. One out of four. So I, I think while I see it, these numbers seem high to me, these numbers seem like, like, like they're a little bit out there to me, but, but then I started to think about it. And, and I thought, just put yourself in this position. Think of somebody you love a lot. Maybe it's a parent. Let's pick a parent or a grandpa, somebody who's older, 70-year-old person, still young, but, but a little bit older, 70 years old, and all of a sudden that person goes missing. You don't know if they had a stroke. You don't know if they got confused. You don't know if they got abducted. You don't know if they got killed. The person goes missing for three weeks. Everybody looks, and then they stop. 
I mean, you love this dad, mom, whoever it is, grandpa, grandma, whatever it is. You love this person dearly. I'll tell you, if for three weeks my mom or dad or my mother-in-law even, if any of them are missing, it might take four weeks for my mom. No, I'm just I'm sorry. Anyway, you know, I mean, if, if, if they're missing and somebody comes to me and, and says, you know what, I got this friend who has this extra sense and she can find people. She can find people. Don't tell me that you wouldn't be really tempted. Don't tell me that you wouldn't be tempted just to say, I'll try anything. I can't imagine the thought of my mom being lost and wandering around in the woods or something like that. I got to find her. I got to know what's going on. I would, right, I mean, you, you put yourself in that situation. That's why I say that sense of wanting to know more, that desire, and it drives people to say, I'll try anything, all right? So I have a friend who believes in, hope, in, in psychics or horoscopes or, or whatever it is. What do we do? How, how, how do we do that? If somebody, and again, I, I encourage you, think about this in your workplace. One out of four people in your workplace really believe that their horoscope impacts their lives. And, and, and let me just say something else about that. Interesting. They did a study once with horoscopes, um, and, 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 and they did it with all people who said they didn't believe in horoscopes. But they said, you know, you know, you don't believe these. But they had them read things. And they had half the group read a positive horoscope in the morning and half the group read a negative horoscope. And even though these people said, I don't believe it at all, it changed the way they live. It changed. They said, oh, no, it doesn't matter at all. But, but it just kind of was there. Because we have this sense that there's another world out there. And if we could just tap into it, we could know a little more. We could do a little better. We could solve some of the problems. So what do we do if we or somebody else are, are, are doing that? First thing, guess what? Same as all the other ones. We listen, friends. As much as you might want to say, excuse me, think about this. Just stop and listen. I think James 1.19 applies again this week. We could do this verse the rest of our lives. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen and slow to speak. And I think it applies in, in this kind of a, situ- a situation as well. What I want you to listen for is, is listen for the why. You know, if you, if you throw it out at the coffee table tomorrow and say, hey, anybody here ever do horoscope? Anybody ever follow that? And you find out, yeah, three of the people really do. Say, so, you know what? what, why? What does it help you with? What are you looking for? What it, what, what's the information that, that, that they're trying to learn? What is it? Um, you know, and, and, and that's going to somewhat kind of determine a little bit of how we respond. I mean, if somebody's telling me, well, I want to do this because it'll help me win the lottery, and I want to say, any psychic who can help you win the lottery ain't going to help you win the lottery. She's going to win it herself, right? I, I, I mean, but again, if this person is saying, you know, I am so scared of the future. I am so nervous about that. I want to just recognize and, 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 and just be honest about saying, this is, people do this because it's a really scary we wor- world in which we live, okay? People go do this because there's so much difficulty in, in not knowing what's going to happen. And, and people feel like if there's anything I can do, if there is anything I can do. And so listen to that and love that person and, 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 and begin to think about how you respond. Second thing, and, and, and I think this is really important maybe for many of us this morning, and, and, and I want to maybe challenge some of us. I had to challenge myself to think about it in, in some ways. But to affirm the reality of the spiritual world, okay? To affirm that some of this stuff is real, okay? Now, I want to say a couple things about that. First of all, there are a lot of fakes. 
there are a lot of fakes. You know, I mean, I could sit here with a group like this and say, I'm getting a G. Does anybody have a G? And George, oh, yes, George, okay. Um, that's your father's son. Okay, it's your son, right? And there are people who can do this, and, it's, and, and it's, just, it's just manipulative, okay? There are a lot of fakes. But I think if we take the Bible seriously, we have to recognize that the Bible makes clear that there are powers that can be tapped into. The reason the Bible is going to warn us about this and tell us not to get involved in this kind of stuff is not just because it's fake, but because it's real. It says stay away from it because, friends, there is a dangerous world. You don't want to get apart. And, 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 and so that's where I kind of have to challenge myself to say that the, the reality is, is this stuff is real. Now, in order to show that, I want to look at a great story in the Old Testament. It's in 1 Samuel 28, and it involves kind of King Saul as the main character, and then Samuel, who is a prophet who had uh, anointed Saul to be king, is also part of the story. This is uh, right before King Saul dies. In fact, it's the day before Saul is killed in a battle. And things are not going well for Saul, okay? Saul had, uh, when he was first king, everything went great. He, he was listening to God, and he was following God, and everything was, was going along really, really well. But as time went on, Saul stopped listening to God. Saul started doing things his own way. He stopped obeying God. And, and Samuel, who had always been God's voice for Saul, said, Saul, you got to listen to God, and, and, and Saul didn't do it. And so Samuel stopped talking to God. And in fact, by this time, Samuel is dead, Okay? Samuel is completely out of his life. So Saul is out there, and, and, and things are not going well, and he's struggling. And, and where he is in this story is he's up uh, near the Jezreel Valley. This is Israel. You see the Jordan River to the right. The Mediterranean Sea is off there to the left. Just see the, the bottom of the Sea of Galilee up there so you kind of get an idea. Jerusalem would be off uh, on the bottom there. But that's the Jezreel Valley. And, and Saul and the, and the um, armies of Israel are camped at Mount Gilboa. Okay, they're camped at Mount Gilboa, which is on the, the southern side of the Jezreel Valley there. And the Philistines, the enemies, the bad guys, who are really, really angry, are over here at Mount Shunem on the other side of the valley. And the Philistines control the valley as well. Now, uh, last spring when I was in Israel, I had the opportunity to, we were standing on Mount Gilboa. So uh, you can kind of get an idea of it, that, that, that this would have been the area where, where Saul was standing. And you see Mount Shunem there. Uh, off in the distance, and, and you can imagine that, that the Philistine armies are all over that, kind of spilling down uh, into the valley, all right? That's where Saul is, and when he sees the Philistine army, he is scared. First Samuel 28, verse 5, when Saul, Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid, and terror filled his heart. In the Hebrew, it's, it's literally he wet his pants. He was so scared that, that he wet his pants, and he didn't know what to do. He, he prayed, although I don't know how sincerely, um, and, and, and he did the things that he saw Samuel doing, but he, he didn't get any answers from God. And then this is what he does. Verse 7, Saul then said to his attendants, find me a woman who is a medium, a psychic, one who can call up the dead, so I may go inquire of her. They responded and said, there is one in Endor. Now, let me show you where Endor is, okay? This is going to show us just how desperate Saul is, okay? This is, again, Saul's at Mount Gilboa. Uh, The Philistines are on the other side there on Mount Shunem, and this is where Endor is. It's on the other side of Mount Shunem. It's on the other side of the valley. Again, if we go back to this picture, Endor would have been kind of back there, okay? So they say, yeah, you want a medium? You want a psychic? There's one in Endor. You'd think Saul would say, well, that's out. Do we have anybody south of us that we can go to? But that's not what happened. Saul is so desperate 
He is so desperate. He's hungry. Again, he, wa- he needs more information. He knows he's in trouble. He needs that. And he's willing to do anything. So Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes. And at night, he and two men went to the woman. They made their way through the enemy lines. I mean, Saul would have had to dress in disguise. He's the king, and he makes his way through enemy lines. Why? Not to get for information about their troops, but to go talk to this witch, to go talk to this medium, to go talk to this person in Endor, all right? Consult a spirit for me, he said, and bring up for me the one that I name. One thing I got to tell you before we read the next verse. Saul earlier, one of the few things that Saul late in his life did well in trusting God is he had outlawed all mediums, all spiritists, all those who talked with the dead. Paul, Saul had, had made a rule against that. So now here he is, breaking his own rule. But the woman that he's talking to remembers it. The, the woman said to him, surely you know what Saul has done. She doesn't know she's talking to Saul. He's in disguise. Surely you know what Saul has done. He has cut off the mediums and spiritists from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? And then look at what Saul does. Saul swore to her by the Lord, as surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. Saul says, I promised. I promised. I mean, here he is. It's like me promising, saying, I promise you won't be, you won't be uh, punished by God for committing adultery. Excuse me, I don't get to promise that you're not going to be punished for breaking God's laws. I'm supposed to uphold them. I'm supposed to encourage you in them. But here Saul is saying, I promise you, you won't get punished if you do this, but I need help. Then the woman asked him, whom shall I bring up for you? Guess who he asks for? Samuel. Even though Samuel has said, Saul, you're going down. Even though Samuel has said, Saul, you're a dead man. He says, bring up Samuel. So the woman does her thing. And here's what I want you to see. It works. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice. I mean, when this happened, she screams. It almost makes me wonder if it hadn't really worked very well for her before. I almost wonder if she was as shocked as, as anybody else was because all of a sudden Samuel is there. And, and so she screams and then she says to Saul, she realizes this is Saul somehow, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. But Saul just wants to talk to Samuel. The king said to her, don't be afraid. What do you see? The woman said, I see a ghostly figure coming up out of the earth. What does he look like, he asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming up, she said. Then Saul knew, verse 14, it was Samuel. And he bowed down and prostrated himself to the ground, or himself with his face to the ground. Samuel is not happy about being called back. It's interesting. I don't know where he was. I don't know what he was doing, but he's not happy about it. Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Now, I want to leave the story there. We're going to come back. Don't worry. We'll, I'll tell you what happens. But, but, but I want to just kind of leave the story there because, uh, again, what this story says to me is, is again, that, that while there might be a bunch of fakes, this is real. This is real. Samuel, actually, this woman is able to channel a dead person. This woman is able to bring up a dead person, okay? And even though Saul can't see this dead person right away, he's going to be able to hear Samuel's voice. And, and, and I think we need to recognize that. I didn't want to show you the clip, but some of you remember the movie Ghost with Whoopi Goldberg, right? She's this fake charlatan medium, and all of a sudden, actually, Patrick Swayze, the ghost, shows up, and she's scared to death. That's what's going on with this woman. Friends, we've got to understand this. As much as it may look fake, there is something real. And while I think most of the people who do this are, are just playing games, 
know what the worst thing that can happen to you is? It can work. It can work, and you're exposing yourself to some really dangerous stuff. So I want to say I want to listen, and then I want to affirm the reality of the spiritual world. I want to say, friends, this... I'm not saying this isn't real. The fact is I'm saying it is real, and that's why I want to challenge you on it. And again, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Jonathan Edwards is real. Everybody's real. But the fact is, if these people actually got a hold of what they said they were going to get a hold of, they would be scared to death. So what do we do? Third thing, I think what we need to do is speak the truth in love again and warn of the dangers of messing around with it. The Bible makes it clear. Let me give you a couple of Bible passages here. Leviticus 19, verse 31. It says this, do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists for you will be defiled by them. You will be, again, you will be made dirty by them. I am the Lord your God. Something's going to happen to you if you, again, you do a seance and, and, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but Ouija boards, right? I mean, you know, you mess around with this stuff. Deuteronomy 18, 10 to 12. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire. Okay, now that's, that's a big command, right? But look at, that's, that's the command that leads into all this stuff about who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens. You know, I mean, doing this stuff is kind of like killing your own kids, sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcrafts or casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritist or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is foolish to the Lord. No, they're not. They're detestable to the Lord. That's a bad word. That's a big word. You are detestable to the Lord. Because of these same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. And I think what we've got to do is really kind of just recognize that. Now, I don't know how you do that in your workplace tomorrow. But I do want to say for us here today, please, let me just tell you, if you have done this, then stop. If you have done this, if you've kind of done the tarot card reading, and even if you say it's nothing, I want to just tell you, stop. And, and I even want to say, you know what, the horoscope, see if you can just skip over. I know it's silly. I'm not going to say it's terrible to just read it because you think it's silly. But like I said, they did this study, you know, and, and they found that some people, it just impacts us. And God says, don't do it. God says, don't do it. Now, there's an interesting one again, the horoscope one. What about astrology? I want to ask about that one particularly because as I was reading, uh, this is the one that, that I think Christians are kind of most susceptible to because well, when we read the scriptures, it, it seems to be saying that God does speak through the stars, right? Psalm 19, 1 and 2. Look at these words. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Well, the Bible says that the stars reveal knowledge, so why don't we read our horoscopes, right? No, the knowledge they reveal is that God is and that God is powerful. They don't reveal your personal destiny. Well, but what about Jesus? What about the wise men? The astrologers is really who it was. Matthew 2, 1 and 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi, astrologers from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and, and, and have come to worship him. Well, again, (laughs) the stars told the future. They watched the stars and they learned of the birth of Jesus. Let me make a distinction here. The Bible says God speaks through the stars. Sometimes he does. 
rarely with anybody's personal destiny, but Jesus, believe it or not, is kind of a special case. But, but God speaks through the stars. Yes, he does, but he speaks about himself, okay? He speaks about who he is. He speaks about the birth of his son. Astrology says the stars control and reveal our destinies, okay? And, and, and it's interesting. We're going to start a series on Genesis in a couple of weeks, so we'll talk about this again. But astrology was huge in Egypt, okay, and in, and in Babylon and so on. In that part of the world, all the signs of the Zodiac were in Egypt um, before the people of Israel left there and so on. Uh, they had all at Leo and so on. And, 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 and so all of the Zodiac stuff is going on. It's huge. And, and so when God tells Moses what happened at the beginning of time, God wants to make one thing very clear. And the very first words of Scripture he writes are these. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The stars are not, as you've said, gods who are, as you've been taught, you know, gods who are controlling your destiny. No, God created them. They are God's servants. They do what God tells them to do. Isaiah 47 addresses astrology very specifically. All the counsel you've received has only worn you out. Let your astrologers come forward, okay? Those stargazers who make predictions month by month. Again, government leaders and so on, the king and so on, they were asking the astrologers to come forward. Anybody remember Nancy Reagan? Right? Those of us who are old can remember that she was consulting horoscopes. World leaders have been looking for anything to get more information, right? Let your astrologers come forward, those stargazers who make predictions month by month. Let them save you from what is coming upon you. Because they can't. Surely they are like stubble. The fire will burn them up. They cannot even save themselves from the power of the flame. These are not coals for warmth. This is not a fire to sit by. Don't go there looking for wisdom, okay? That is all they are to you because these you have dealt with and labored with since childhood. All of them go on in their error, and there is not one that can save you. God says, don't go there because they're not in charge. Okay, so astrology, you know, at the stars, it's just not real. And like I say, I want to warn you. And say, don't get involved in that. When you're warning others, again, I, I, I would suggest that you do that. And, and I, I would point out that there are a lot of fakes out there. But then I would also, you know, say, just watch out. Because it exposes you to some dangerous stuff. It exposes you to a spiritual world that God has said, don't expose yourself in that way. Yes, it's real. And don't expose yourself in that way. God keeps saying, listen to me. Listen to me. Now, as we said last week, I want to say again, this is not an unforgivable sin, okay? So if you are here this morning, and again, like I said, the numbers would just suggest that we have a good number of people here who've dialed the psychic hotline, who've said, I need help, I want more information, then I invite you to do what all of us do when we sin, and that is repent and receive God's grace and forgiveness and say, okay, God, I want to trust you now, all right? So it's not an unforgivable sin but it's something we got to stay away from. So warn of the dangers of messing around with it. And then the fourth and final thing I want to suggest is that we need to encourage our friend to listen to and trust God. Again, the reason that, that God is so against getting information this way is not because he wants to be replaced, but he says, you know what, you got to trust me. I am the one. And God says, I'll tell you as much as you need to know. Now, that's really hard to listen to because I want to know more, God. But God said, trust me. Let's go back to, to Saul and Samuel, okay? And, and, and they're there. Samuel has just said, man, I was having a nice nap. I was enjoying, you know, nine holes in, in heaven. And now you've called me back up. Whatever it was Samuel doing, now you've called me back here. What is it you want? And Saul says, I want information. I need help. I'm in big trouble here. What do you say? Look at how Samuel responds. Samuel said, why do you consult me? 
now that the Lord has departed from you and become your enemy. The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbors, to David. And then this line, because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce anger against, or his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. Because you did not obey the Lord. And in, again, the Hebrew, that is literally listened to. Because you didn't listen to the Lord. And, and, and what Saul is saying to Samuel is, or excuse me, what Samuel is saying to, to Saul is, Saul, you knew what God wanted you to do. You had a word from God. He told you what you were supposed to be doing. And you knew what God wanted you to do. And you didn't listen. You didn't obey it. Why is God going to speak to you now if you're not doing what you know? Why is God going to give you insider information if you're not doing what you know? It's because you didn't listen. And, and, and so what, what I think this story really kind of focuses on is saying at the heart of it is, is we need to encourage ourselves and our friends to listen and trust to God. Now, it's not easy to trust God when we don't know and when God's not speaking. Like I say, I, mean, I want to know if, if my grandchild, if, if one of my grandkids gets kidnapped, I'm going to say, God, you've got to show me where he is. And if he doesn't, I'm going to be like, God, I can't. You know. Why? But what I am called to do is to say, God, I will trust you. God, I will trust you. It's not easy to do that. Now, I'm not saying that we don't use all the brains we have. I'm not saying, well, we just pray, and if God reveals... No, I mean, you do everything you can, but you don't go to psychics, you don't get your horoscope, you don't do any of that stuff, friends. It's just dangerous. It's just wrong. And, and so at the heart of it is, is learning to trust God in a world where we see dimly. And that's where all of us are. In some ways, I wish God would just show me when I need more information, and God would just tell me what's the right thing to do all the time. But by his wisdom, he's decided that's not the best way. I don't know exactly why. Maybe he wants me to grow up. Maybe he wants me to learn to trust him in the dark. I don't know, but that's how God works. So often he's calling us just in the midst of those difficult situations where we don't have enough information, where we don't know what to do. We say, okay, God, St. Jesus, just trust me. Just listen for my voice and do what I've already told you to do. So those are the things I would say to my friend who believes in horoscopes or psychics, who's consulted the dead or has done a seance. I'm going to listen. I'm going to say, you know what, that stuff's real. I'm going to say, it's dangerous. And then I'm going to say, but what I really want to encourage you to do is trust God. As we close, there's one passage that kind of is in the back of my mind for all of this. And and, and I think, again, if you say, well, I'm not really tempted to follow a psychic, but I want to say, you know, for all of us, we have those situations where we don't know. We all have those situations where we're just not sure. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 and 13. The Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. The old translations have through a glass darkly, right? I mean, the mirrors in those days were not very clear. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Paul says, someday, someday I will know all I need to know. But for now, it's a little bit dim. But these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So when you don't know enough, I simply want to invite you to trust God and love. Just 
Trust God. Put your life in his hands. Don't turn to these other places and love the people around you. That's what God asks us to do. Let's pray together. Father, um, I say in some ways we're not always tempted to go to these means, but we're all struggling with not knowing enough. We're all in situations where we have decisions to make or we have loved ones we're worried about or concerns. or str- And Lord, we want to know more. So Lord, we pray that we'll have ears to hear if you are speaking to us about one of these things. But even more deeply, Lord, we pray that we can have hearts that will obey. Hearts that trust you and hearts that love. There's a lot we don't know, Lord. We, we, Paul wrote those words and they're so true that we see through that glass darkly. We don't always know what to do. But Lord, help us to know that you do. And you give us enough to trust you and to love each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you please stand to receive God's parting word of uh, benediction. Once again, following our uh, closing or uh, the service, there are going to be some folks in the prayer room there to my right, to your left. If you'd like to talk with somebody or pray with somebody, I'd be happy to meet with you there and, uh, and spend some time in prayer with you. People of God, now as you go from this place, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ goes with each and every one of us. And may we, in those times where we don't know enough, may we trust God and love. Go in his grace. Amen.